Have you ever wanted to dive deeper into scripture? If so, you're in luck, because every day there's a new scripture reflection from the thoughtful staff at America Media, thinking through big questions together, like, what do Catholics believe about guardian angels? And what can Gen Zers take away from the Gospels? If you're already a subscriber, you can access these reflections in your email inbox or on our website. If you'd like to become a digital subscriber, it's easy to do. Just visit americamagazine.org slash subscribe, and you'll have full access to America's Scripture Reflections. Hey, everyone. Jesuitical is taking a break for Thanksgiving. But if you're looking for something new to try, we'd love to suggest How God Works, a podcast from PRX. In a world where change is accelerating, how do we find new ways to create meaning, comfort, and connection through faith? How God Works is a rare combination of cutting-edge science and ancient wisdom, as psychology professor Dave DeSteno helps us grapple with some of life's biggest questions. If you need a place to start, we recommend listening to this great episode from How God Works about gratitude and why every day should feel like Thanksgiving. If you like it, make sure to follow our friends at How God Works on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Jesuitical will be back at its regular time next Friday. Until then, enjoy today's special episode, and we'll see you soon. We're coming up on Thanksgiving, which for those of us in the U.S. means a time for celebration with family and friends. Yes, there's the turkey and the trimmings, the football and the pumpkin pie, and if you're Italian-American like me, the pasta course, too. But underlying all that celebrating is one thing, gratitude. Thanksgiving, as its name suggests, is a time to reflect on what we're grateful for, or perhaps even more important, who we're grateful to. So in the spirit of Thanksgiving, we decided to ask some people on the Boston Esplanade that very question. Who are you grateful for? I'm grateful for uh, my wife and my family because they bring me a sense of completeness and happiness. For my mom? because she's super supportive, has been even from like a continent away. My mother for bringing me to the world and uh, saving my life multiple times. I'm grateful for Jack, the boy I babysit, because we talk every night and he makes sure I go to bed with a smile on my face. It's wonderful to have people we appreciate in our lives, but having people to thank doesn't always mean we do it. So we ask these people, when was the last time you thanked that person? That's a good point. Uh, probably every two weeks. <laughs> Would you Very say? Regular, right, <laughs> right, every couple of weeks. He has a calendar. Right, every couple of weeks. Probably on her birthday a few months ago. Uh, Mother's Day. <laughs> last night. <laughs> I, I expressed that gratitude last night. What you're hearing here is pretty much on target for Americans. While some of us make it a point to show gratitude every day, most of us don't feel or express it nearly as often as we could. But foregoing that gratitude isn't just a slip in manners or a sign of being self-absorbed. By neglecting it, we're also missing out on a tool to make our future a better one. You see, even though gratitude seems like an emotion that's focused on the past, on what people have already done for us, its true purpose is really about the future about improving what comes next. And that's why, long ago, almost all religions figured out how to build it into our lives in ways that happen much more than once a year. 
and each morning you say, thank you, God, for the miracle of having clothes. Thank you, God, for the miracles of being able to walk. Thank you, God, for the miracles of being able to, to have strength, for being able to open my eyes. On this episode of How God Works, we'll talk with Rabbi Jeffrey Middleman, founder of Sinai and Synapses, about the ways Judaism found to nudge us towards gratitude on a daily basis. The more practice I am expressing that kind of gratitude, the more likely I'll be able to feel that emotion. And with author and religious scholar Dr. Diana Butler-Bass about the surprising history of gratitude, how it applies to our current moment, and what that means for finding ways to make life better for everyone. Gratitude can either be, I'm going to close myself in, I'm going to be thankful that I'm safe and that my people are safe, or gratitude could be one of the ways in which we structure this open table. I'm Dave DeSteno, and this is How God Works. Diana Butler-Bass thinks about gratitude more than most. In fact, she spent several years writing a book about it, Grateful, The Transformative Power of Giving Thanks. But her interest in gratitude predates her book proposal. She's studied and written about the history of Christianity from its origins to its current trends. And while gratitude is an important part of being a Christian, turns out it meant something entirely different in the classical world. Well, I was surprised to discover that Gratitude actually has a bit of a conflicted history. The word that we have in English for gratitude comes from the Latin word gratus. And that word was loaded um, in the ancient Roman world. It was a system of obligation and a system of transaction. And it was essentially the social system that held the economic system of the ancient Roman world together. And what it essentially meant was a kind of repayment. And so there, the, the ancient Roman world was structured around a hierarchical uh, system of favors that people did for one another. And so if you were a wealthy person, uh, you were supposed to share your gifts with others. You would patronize people who were of lesser status than you were. You were the patron and they were your clients. And what held those people together was this thing that was referred to as gratus. And that same word gratus was used by people who were lower status people. And what they were supposed to return was their thanks, their loyalty to their patron. So it was a transactional thing in the ancient Roman world that wasn't based mm -hmm. out of free will. And so people were put into these economic relationships of gifts and, and gratitude and that they didn't give gifts freely, nor did they give thanks freely. And the rich people turned it into sort of a quid pro quo. Yeah, it sounds it sounds almost as if, as you're saying, by its transactional nature, it sounded more like a strategy or something that we would call indebtedness or an obligation today. Yeah, it really truly was. It wasn't something that was about the heart. It wasn't really something about the spirit. It was a way that you survived economically in the ancient Roman world. But there were very moral Romans who were offended and shocked by that practice, as well as people in religions like Judaism and Christianity. And the, the essential vision of the Hebrew scriptures is that gifts are from God and that in that sense, all gifts are given to all people freely. There is no obligation attached to those gifts. What happens to us as human beings is that 
we live in a sort of a humble relationship to that recognition that all of life, that everything we have is a gift. And it's not that we're obligated to return thanks to God, but instead from the sort of beautiful sense of God would give a gift to me, that sense of sort of being overwhelmed that my life is a gift, then you freely return thanks to God and then turn around and give gifts to other people. So that, that's very different than obligation and quid quo quo. Diana is hitting on an important point here. Most times people do something nice for us in life. It's not because they have to. It's because they want to. Which, if you think about it, is kind of affirming. It implies that they think we're worth it, that we're worthy of their kindness or help. But for us to live up to that expectation, to be worth it, we have to be good people too. We have to be willing to return kindness, or even better, pay it forward of our own free will. And it's gratitude that keeps that cycle of virtue going. As Georg Simmel, one of the most influential sociologists of all time, put it, gratitude is the moral memory of humankind. It reminds us that we're all in this together, that it's by working together, by cooperating with one another, that we thrive. But that doesn't mean gratitude always comes easily. Sometimes life's give and take can feel a bit difficult or even lopsided. But it's during those trying times that finding gratitude can be most helpful. And it's there that religions have some advice to offer and maybe even a head start when it comes to the idea of thanksgiving. This idea of meals, blessing a meal or uh, giving thanks for a meal. The meals that we have with our families around our dinner tables are just the sort of the home ritual version of the meals that we often share in community. And I, I am hard pressed to think of any religious tradition in the world that doesn't have a Thanksgiving meal as part of its ritual public life. And so as a Christian, every single week you have a meal called the Eucharist, which is very amazing because that means Thanksgiving in Greek. And so the central liturgical act in high church traditions is being together in a church with a whole bunch of other people and having a meal that's called Thanksgiving. To me, right, whether we're doing this every week in Mass, whether we're doing it every day for a meal, whether we're doing it quarterly or in whatever religious faith you are, those elements, yes, you may be just thinking of it that you're giving thanks to God, but the emotional state that it's evoking in you is also a tool that helps you strengthen those relationships, helps you find that community that makes you that makes you more resilient. And that idea of resilience is one that I've been thinking about a lot, especially as we've been facing, you know, COVID over the past year and a half. Um, I know a lot of people myself included, get mired down at times in kind of, you know, anxiety or, or, or worry or many people even feeling depressed. What are your thoughts or even your own experiences about how cultivating gratitude in the face of, of trials or challenges might be beneficial? Uh, I do have home practices, but the, the public ritual piece has always been kind of the companion to those personal practices. And so what has happened during the pandemic is that the public ritual pieces have gone away. And so um, that wearing away of the public practice, I found that to be debilitating on a personal level. I, I don't think that I knew 
until this past 18 months that my personal practices and my public practices were so intimately related. Because when, you know, your personal practices are kind of at a low, well, you can kind of go off and do the public ritual. And, um, and so that wasn't available. And I felt like it was easier to forget to do the personal practices when the public practices were missing. And every time I got to that place where I realized that I had forgotten to be thankful, it was also a place where I, I was in extra depression or despair. And I'm generally a very optimistic and hopeful person, but this was a miserably difficult year. So I think that one of the things I learned to be grateful for was that I had enough practice both in public ritual and in my personal life and enough personal commitment to, uh, to practicing Thanksgiving uh, that I could rally myself on these occasions and sort of say, oh, the, well, this is part of what's wrong with me. And so I would kind of catch my breath and I would say, okay, where is gratitude right now? It's not always easy to do this, to rally yourself to feel grateful on a regular basis, especially in the face of struggle or overwhelming sadness, or when there doesn't seem to be anything immediately apparent to be grateful for. But like Diana discovered, reminding yourself to find gratitude, to focus on small things or simple rituals you might otherwise ignore in the toughest times, can lead to resilience. And while it might sound like some hokey, too-good-to-be-true, self-helpy thing, I've been studying the positive effects of gratitude on people for over 15 years, and they are profound. Let me ask you a question. Ever had a computer issue you couldn't solve? Like, where did that document I've just spent hours writing and my boss is waiting for go? After an hour of troubleshooting, ever want to throw said computer out the window? Until a tech-savvy colleague, or even your teenager, comes along and pushes a button that miraculously makes everything work again? This has happened to me more times than I care to remember, and I've never felt more relieved and more grateful to the person who fixed it. So when we needed to find a way to study gratitude in the lab, we decided to simulate this scenario. After we had people spend what seemed like forever working on a tedious task, we faked a computer problem for some of them. We then brought in an actor to fix that fake problem. Those participants felt gratitude, which we measured, and then we sent them on their way. But the experiment didn't really end there. After they left the lab, we staged things so they'd run into the actor to whom they felt grateful. But this time, he'd ask them for help. It probably doesn't come as a surprise to you that people who were feeling grateful to him agreed to help him more often than did others who, although just having been in the same room with him, didn't have their computers crash and thus had no reason to feel grateful. But here's the kicker. People feeling gratitude weren't just more willing to help him. They were more willing to help anyone. When we switched things up so that a complete stranger, who was a different actor, asked them for help, they were ready and willing to lend a hand even though they didn't owe him anything. And how much they helped depended entirely on how much gratitude they were feeling. We found similar results with all kinds of virtuous behaviors. When we give people an opportunity to cheat to earn more money, 
those feeling grateful cheat at half the rate of others. When we give them opportunities to share their profits, grateful people are more generous. When we ask them to make financial decisions, grateful people are less impulsive, preferring to save for the future. Remember that this Black Friday. And it's not just my team. Other researchers show that gratitude improves personal relationships, increases cooperation, reduces stress, decreases materialism, and even helps you sleep better. And perhaps best of all, we now find the same results when we ask people to simply count their blessings, to take a minute to reflect on who or what they're grateful for. So it's pretty clear that feeling grateful helps us be better and happier people. It's kind of like a multivitamin for the soul. But as any behavioral scientist will tell you, reaching a goal, in this case feeling more gratitude, takes more than just setting it. Take New Year's resolutions. By the second week of January, 25% have already fallen by the wayside. To reach a goal, you also need the right strategies and tools. So to find some, I turn to another faith that focuses pretty heavily on gratitude. Literally, by definition, to be Jewish is to give thanks. That's Rabbi Jeffrey Middleman, and he's pointing out that even from its origins, Judaism held gratitude in high regard. The word Judaism comes from the tribe of Judah, and the word Judah actually goes back to the book of Genesis of when Leah gives birth to her son Judah, and she says in the phrase, I will give thanks to God. Wow. So even at the store, even in the etymology of the word, we can see the role gratitude plays. But I want to get a sense of, of how it's actually interweaved in the, in the rhythms of life, even on a, on a daily basis. Yeah, there are several different prayers that are said every day in Judaism. When you first wake up, there's a prayer that, that I actually say every morning when I wake up. ani uh, I give thanks to you, God, for returning my soul to me. It's a, it's a recognition that your life might be taken from you at any moment. It's a wonderful way of orienting yourself as opposed to waking up and, oh my God, I've got all this I've got to do and I'm tired and my kids woke me up and, and oh, I didn't get enough sleep last night and I've got this thing I've got to do later today that I don't want to do. That is part of life also. But to be able to start with whatever happens this day, this day in and of itself, it's a gift. It's a gift. So being able to wake up and say, holy cow, I have another day of life in front of me thank you. Thank you for this, this gift of life. And then later in, in the daily prayers, it's a section called the Nisim B'chol Yom. In Hebrew, the Nisim B'chol Yom literally translates as the miracles of the everyday. And it's a wonderful contradiction because when you think of a miracle, you think of something that happens once in a lifetime, once in a generation, once ever. Um, in Judaism, it's the, it's the parting of the Red Sea. Uh, for Christians, it's the, you know, the resurrection. There are all sorts of different things that, that you can think about as a, as a miracle. And in Judaism, it's the miracles of the everyday. And each morning you say, thank you, God, for the miracle of having clothes. Thank you, God, for the miracles of being able to walk. Thank you, God, for the miracles of being able to, to have strength for being able to open my eyes, that that is actually a miracle that happens each and every day. And, and the rabbis even say that we are supposed to say 100 blessings every day. You know, it's interesting. We all have three or four things that we, if I say to you, Jeff, what are you grateful for? You know, you'll probably say, oh, my family, my friends, maybe my career, what my health. 
And not to diminish those things. Those things are hugely important. But in this prayer, what's really interesting to me is that it's it's the very simple things. As you say, it's it's the miracles of the everyday, the things that we kind of take for granted. Why do you think that is? Why do you think those who originated this practice focused people's minds intentionally on these little things? One of the challenges for people to be able to, to express any kind of gratitude or being able to offer up any kind of prayer is often being able to create that prayer, um, right? If, if you're placed on the spot to be able to say, please offer up this blessing before we eat, um, a lot of people, including me, would would probably fumfer over it. We would stumble and not quite know what to say. But having words that are written uh, and liturgy that we can say they're not words that we have to come up with ourselves. Instead, we can look at the words and engage and, and find our own particular resonance with them. And so what, what can happen is that, is that you could focus on one particular uh, prayer that resonates with you at that particular moment. And the other is, okay, maybe not so much, but today this is, I'm going to be grateful for being able to have strength because you know what, my arm was, was, I was not working and, and, and now, well, it seems to be a little bit better. So that's where I'm going to focus. Or um, there's one of, of who, who opens up our eyes and removes slumber from the eyelids of, well, you know, a couple nights ago, I had a really rough night sleeping. And today, boy, I had a great night's sleep. And I can be grateful for that. So being able to have liturgy, um, that allows us to be able to express those, those moments of gratitude when we might not be able to do that otherwise. What's fascinating about that is it almost seems like an ancient tactic for something that's quite popular today, which is gratitude journaling. Yes, you're not writing about it, but it's making you stop and, and, and reflect on things. But having the liturgy, I think, is even more important, as you're saying, because I don't have to sit there and go, hmm, okay, I need to journal today. What am I grateful for? Because if you do that, sometimes it can feel like there is nothing. If you have to think hard about something, you may feel like, well, there's really nothing. But in this way, you're given a set of things, and some days they move you more than others. And a line that I love from, from Rabbi Arnold Jacob Wolf, who says that we need to ritualize the ethical and ethicize the ritual, um, that we need to be able to say, this is something that I'm going to do on a regular basis. And you know what? The more I do it, the more likely I'll be able to feel that emotion. Um, Judaism has always had this wonderful pull of, of sometimes... You, when you feel it, you do something, but actually, and I know there's some research on this from psychology as well, sometimes you do something and by doing it, you feel it. We know from a lot of psychological work that when that feeling of gratitude fills you, when you experience it, a lot of good comes from that. And so what I love about it is that it's a tool to, to facilitate that feeling in a way that gives you a hundred choices for what it's going to be on that day that moves you. Um, but along that line, let me, let me ask you from your own perspective, um, what role do you think gratitude plays in, in fostering people's well-being? That's a great question. Um, and I think there are a few different aspects to that. One is, one of my favorite thinkers is Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel. He speaks about radical amazement that we need to approach the world with a level of awe and wonder and majesty and, and humility and gratitude. And one of Heschel's lines is that we praise before we can prove. Um, we need to be able to look at 
whether that is our relationship or the world as a whole, but to be able to look at the world with an element of praise and gratitude and then have the intellectual analytic part of our brain turn on. Um, and so understanding the world with an orientation of the world is good. That's, in my mind, the, the key message of the opening verses of Genesis. And the phrase that keeps coming back in the Torah is, and it was good, and God saw that it was good. And and that is a evaluation right, of being able to say, there is potential meaning in this world. And coming at the world from an orientation of, I'm grateful for my part of this. I'm grateful for being part of of this universe, being part of this human family, and and my gratitude of being able to contribute. I think that's that's a a really important element that I think is overlooked in Western and particularly American society, which is what's in it for me, and and religion, and for me very much Judaism approaches this question of not necessarily what are my rights, but what are my responsibilities and what are my opportunities of being able to contribute. That is a hugely important point. I think in today's world, especially uh, with this emphasis on what's in it for me, that can lead to short-term pleasures, but over time it leads to all kinds of problems. And so I think two things you said resonated with me. One, it's recognizing that the world is good and not just because of me. <laughs> that is my my state in it, my interrelationship with this. I have the benefit of enjoying it, but that also entails some responsibility for me. And if you look at the scientific work, we see that. When people feel grateful, they're more willing to engage in environmental behaviors. They're more willing to help other people. They're more willing to sacrifice their time and energy to help others, even strangers. And what it really does is, is it reinforces that sense of obligation, not in a negative way, not in a way that, like, I'm indebted in, right? It's not that. It's it's the, thank you, this really means a lot to me, and it's joyful for me to want to repay it. And so I think giving us the opportunity to feel that is important. Very much so. And I think, again, I, I love etymology. Religion, from the Latin, is religio, which means to bind together Religion and gratitude are really about being part of a society, being part of a community that that the world doesn't revolve around us. I, I believe it's Rabbi Israel Salanter who had said that my neighbor's physical needs are a spiritual question for me, and I think mm -hmm. that's that's a that's a very powerful lesson of um, of of recognizing that if when there are when there are people who are in need, whether that is an individual or or a society or the world as a whole, those physical questions are are deeply, deeply spiritual ones. Whether you're a religious leader or a scientist, Jeff's point is on target. While religious thought emphasizes the need to help and care for our neighbors, it turns out that scientifically speaking, the same is true. It's people who are willing to share, be honest, and be generous that, over time, have the best outcomes in life. Sure, you can be a selfish schmuck in the moment and profit from it. But over time, you'll lose all the benefits that cooperating with others has to offer. And you'll be the poorer for it. Gratitude helps prevent that. By pushing us to treat others well, it helps ensure that they'll do the same. 
and that together we'll all rise. But where does that leave us this Thanksgiving in America? What's the role of gratitude beyond the individual dining room tables we'll all be sitting at? I asked Dr. Diana Butler-Bath. Oh, that's a, that's a really good question. What is really needed is that we have to understand how to set a really big table in a globally connected world where things happen on the other side of the planet that have an impact on you sitting in your house. I mean, that's what a global pandemic is. And so there's people who are angry about that. They're angry about the fact that because of our global connectedness, that they feel like they've lost control. When you lose control, then you try to take control. You figure, well, what can I do? Well, you can isolate. You can try to get rid of the people you consider to be the problem. You can kind of rebuild um, structures of, of politics or economics that exclude the people that you think aren't worthy of the goods of society or the gifts of of creation. Um, you can try to create protective enclaves where you and your people are secure. So that's sort of one side of the responses to globalism are things like authoritarianism, are things like isolationism, are things like me firstism, or what's the option? And the option is something that humankind has really never tried before, but I think is absolutely necessary. And that is we have to try to figure out how to live together. Um, on this planet. And the image for me is that I dream of a global table. The vision of Eucharist in the Christian tradition is the idea of an eternal feast, a table where everyone is welcome and all are fed. And for me, that's not just a sort of a pie in the sky heaven thing where just Christians are going to be with Jesus after they die, but that that can be a reality here on earth is that we can actually create some sort of consciousness of a global table where we keep pulling up chairs, where people can really be seated and cared for, and the gifts of all creation can be shared around the table, and that we can store those gifts in a shared way, and that we can learn to be grateful for one another's stories and one another's presence and what we each bring to that table. So if Thanksgiving is about setting a welcoming table and reflecting on all that was good in the past year, I think it's fair to say that gratitude is an important part of the story. By making us more welcoming, more generous, more kind, patient, and helpful, it ensures that next November we'll have even more to be grateful for. But that's really only true if we're willing to embrace it more than just one day a year. It's here that the wisdom of Judaism's Nassim B'chol Yom the Christian practice of saying grace, and similar rituals of many other faiths offer some assistance. Yes, people are thanking the divine, but they're also cultivating gratitude. They're feeling it again with each new prayer or blessing throughout the day. But you don't have to be a person of faith to benefit from this type of practice. In our studies, gratitude for friends or family affected people in a similar way as did gratitude toward God. But to reap those benefits, you have to take the time to reflect on what you're grateful for. And that's why making it a ritual, even a secular one, can make all the difference. So while you might save the turkey and trimmings for Thanksgiving, make giving thanks an everyday occurrence. Have you ever wanted to dive deeper into scripture? 
If so, you're in luck, because every day there's a new scripture reflection from the thoughtful staff at America Media, thinking through big questions together, like, what do Catholics believe about guardian angels? And what can Gen Zers take away from the Gospels? If you're already a subscriber, you can access these reflections in your email inbox or on our website. If you'd like to become a digital subscriber, it's easy to do. Just visit americamagazine.org slash subscribe, and you'll have full access to America's scripture reflections.